The Therapy is a Christian podcast is all things mental health and Christ. We specifically talk about how mental health and God are merged together to foster growth, healing, and making mental health a normal conversation. I'm your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Therapies of Christian Podcast. I am your host, Roz and Renee. Welcome to another episode of the show and welcome to another interview. And this is an extra special one in that I'm going to be interviewing my sis, G, the OG of OG. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to be interviewing my sis, G. Gabrielle Spencer, but we call the G. And for those of you that have heard multiple times, I met a boatload of women, beautiful, amazing Black women at the Find Your Voice Academy retreat in DC last year in November. And this is another one of my sisters. This is one of my OG sisters, though. She is like a big sister to me. And so I am super excited to get her on the microphone because... G will be trying to be like, no, girl, it's okay. But see, we're not going to do that. So I'm really, really excited because <laughs> she has such a wealth of knowledge and so much to share. And we're going to talk about a subject that actually has been a recent season of mine and hers. So we're not actually going to be talking about therapy today. We're going to really be talking about just a little bit of mindset stuff and perspective as it relates to God. So I'm really, really excited. So why don't you say, hey, sis? Hey, sis. No, just kidding. <laughs> Listen, hi, everyone. Y'all have so many different sides of me. I've been a thug. I'm an OG. I feel some kind of way. Not negatively, though. <laughs> Positively. But, you know, it is what it is. Hello, everyone. All you listeners. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I'm going to say that because you are OG to me. Because we call you G. <laughs> G was actually my accountability partner at the retreat. And we have grown close over the last year. And so I'm, again, like I said, I'm really excited to have her on. So why don't you just share a little bit about yourself, what you do with the people? Oh, that's a lot. That's a lot. I'm a mom to twin girls. I am a daughter, a sister, friend to many. And when I say that, I mean like true friends, real friends, none of that, you know, fake stuff. I mean, some real people that I love dearly. I am a teacher. I teach middle school. I love it. I love God. I love people. I love community. Yeah, I do. I'm in grad school. Yes. August 2021, me please. (laughs) Yeah. Local ministry. I work with my local church with some things. I'm just out here living so I can live again. If I'm being honest, that's just what it is. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So I want to just briefly say, so G is also a fellow podcaster. Novice. (laughs) I'm new to the game. (laughs) She has a podcast called The Pivot that she recently released. By the time this comes out, though, you probably definitely have some episodes, but I want you to share like where that vision came from and your story kind of behind that, because I know the story. But like, just share kind of the story behind that and where that idea came from. Well, honestly, podcasting is a pivot for me. I'm a writer by heart. I love to write. I love to journal. My undergrad degree is in news editorial. So I wanted to actually be a producer for a broadcast. But then I went to college and I was, you know, touted by my professors as being such a great writer that they kind of convinced me to do news editorial, which I, and I'm a storyteller. So reporting kind of fell in line with that. And I did that for a little while. And for me, the pivot came about because I was looking to make a shift in my career. I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do something that made a difference. I wanted to do something where I could sow into the communities that I love and the people that I love. So It eventually ended up with me teaching middle school. And I always knew I wanted to teach. I just never thought it would be middle school. I honestly thought it would be high school or 
maybe even college. And, you know, who knows what God does next. But just for me, it was making a mindset shift that I knew that what I was doing at the time was not where I wanted to be. I knew that God had greater for me. I knew that he wanted me to level up and stop playing small. And so I decided that I know that there are other women out there who have that mindset that is like, this cannot be all that God wants for me or my life. And so, yeah, that's where the pivot came from. In writing, it's where the story shifts, kind of where the climax comes, where the tables turn. And so that's what the pivot is about. It's just about helping people get to a place where they want to transform their lives by shifting their mindset and doing something totally maybe out of the norm for them. For some people, that's going back to school. For some people, that's switching careers. For some people, that's marriage. For some people, that's motherhood or parenthood. It's just, you know, there's so many different things that we think may not be for us. And then in some point in time, God allows something to click, that light bulb goes off, and we have to figure out how we go from being who we thought we should be to who God called us to be. So that's what it is. And I want to say something to that, because I think, you know, what you kind of described was, first of all, I feel like I've had like five midlife crises and I'm only 30 um, already. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I think I had one around 25. You know, I think I had one probably around 27 when Nico and I were dating. I was like, what are we doing? We've been together for four years. I'm sorry. I need you to know my little biological clock is ticking. And then you look know, at you now. Girl, being pregnant. But I think in not even just that, like there have been times I thought, what am I supposed to be doing? And kind of feeling fearful of making shifts or feeling like because I have this degree that I have to do this and kind of that mindset. And it does make you feel like you're stuck and it makes you feel trapped and it makes you feel like, am I doing like you don't feel purposeful if that's kind of the way I'm trying to describe it. And so for you, like in describing that to other people, how do you think we can get out of this fearful mindset of making those shifts so that we can ultimately walk into the things that we're gifted in doing? It's a faith walk, if I'm honest. It really comes down to, number one, just knowing and believing who God says you are at the basis of who you are. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Before he formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you. And asking him maybe, you know, when you formed me, what did you see? What does that look like? Who am I supposed to be? Because if there's something in your heart or your soul that's saying this ain't it, and yes, I'm an ELA teacher, but take this bad grammar. This ain't it. What is it? (laughs) What am I supposed to be doing? Then know that that's just not um, because, and I know some people are like, oh, I'm just on social media, so I'm scrolling and I feel like maybe I should be doing something different because I see other people doing something different. No, that is literally the spirit within you saying, hey, we need to be doing something else. Mm -hmm. And so just getting to a point where you recognize that, and that doesn't have to necessarily be something huge. That may just be getting out of a poverty mindset. I don't want to be living paycheck to paycheck anymore. That's a shift. That's a pivot. That requires change. For some of us, that may require generational change. But it's just about asking yourself, you know, why am I here? You know, what is my purpose for being here? And really seeking that out and connecting to the Father and allowing him to show you the plans that he has for you. And I know we hear that scripture so much and it seems so cliche, but it's so very real. Once you really start seeking that plan from him, and that's really when that mind shift starts to um, happen, where you really start to think like, okay, this is not it. And how can I get to wherever it is that I need to be? Whether it's a big jump, like quitting your job and doing something else or starting a business, or if it's just a smaller jump with just deciding you're going to go back to school or you're going to start reading more books or whatever that looks like. I mean, there's a spectrum. I'm learning that we are not, um, when I talk about the pivot, 
that is not a monolith and everyone doesn't have to be doing this great, huge, amazing thing. Sometimes it's just getting to a point where you just want something different, whether it's big or small and finding ways that you can go get it. That's so good because I heard a couple of things in there and just you name not just a purpose driven type shift, but just like behaviorally doing things different. Like I'm thinking about money, like saving money, paying off debt. Those are pivots in in our behaviors that require us to have to, you know, do other things that we would not normally do. And speaking for myself, I think that the shift even being okay with letting my life be a part of God's plan of being a testimony. That wasn't, that was not, was not the plan for me. I was like, you know, just live a little bit, you know, like a little regular, regular life. It's just not. mm -mm. And so to be at a place now where it's like, I'm becoming okay with that is a shift. It's mentally a shift. It's overwhelmingly a shift because it requires a lot of your capacity. But I also think that one of the things that stumbles people in that process, whatever it is, financially, relationships, spiritually, career-wise, is God will tell you and then you stop or you get fearful. And you're like, um, I'm not. Are you sure? Are you talking to me, Lord? <laughs> um, <laughs> like, talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm a witness to that even with starting the pivot, with starting the podcast. Because again, I always wanted to be a behind the scenes person. I wanted to, I wanted to produce shows like this. I wanted to be the person to come up with the ideas and put them in the hand of the host and do the back, uh, you know, the interviews on the back and say, okay, and let me pause you. Great person. You are like the hype man of all hype mans. Okay. <laughs> now I know I'm a hype man, but I'm just really loud. You know what I'm saying? I'm the loudest one in the room. But you are for real a hype man because you support in a way that's like authentically genuine. And it's so like, it is background, but it is so genuine. But you are the ultimate hype man, sis. <laughs> that's, and but you know, that's a spiritual gift, honestly. Edification is a spiritual gift. It's something that I've always been blessed with. Like literally the Holy Spirit blessed me with that gift. I remember in high school studying spiritual gifts. I think me and my mom had a conversation and she gave me some stuff to study. And edification was one of those top gifts that the Holy Spirit blessed me with. And I just, he's given me the ability to see people and see what they're good at, see what gifts they have and be like, oh, you know, you should be doing this. This would be a good look for you. And I could write out a whole plan for other people. But when it came to me, it was like, kind of like this, that Raven Simone meme where she's looking crazy and chewing. Like that was kind of, that was my mindset. So um, that's me. Like even with starting the podcast, that was kind of my thing. Like I never wanted to be in front of the mic. I always kind of wanted to be behind the scenes, laying the foundation, interviewing the guests. And like, that was my thing. I wanted to kind of be like, I remember wanting to like be, I wanted to be a producer for the Oprah Winfrey show like that was like one of my things I wanted to produce and kind of make sure everything came together so that when people got the finished product it would be like I didn't want to be the face though I was cool with like you know we gonna prep you and have you looking good out there in front of the camera but I'm gonna make sure everything rolls behind the scenes so for me when Tatum sent out the invite for her inaugural Finding Your Voice Academy. (laughs) I was like, literally the Holy Spirit had to do my application because I was like, I don't, what are you? No, (laughs) no. And so I don't even remember what I wrote or I just, and then I did it like, because I have a tendency to procrastinate. I did it like at the 11th hour and I sent it. And I didn't even think about it anymore. So I know that was a God thing. That was a Holy Spirit thing because I didn't even like, usually I would be on pins and needles yeah, Uh at all. And so when I got the email, it was like, you're invited. I was like, what? (laughs) 
Like, what did I write? What did I, you know, what happened? But, you know, after hearing Tatum say that it was a prayer and a Holy Spirit thing, how she chose who came. And I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit, you know, worked through her with that because I met you ladies and we have bonded in such a way that like you all, I tell you all all the time, but you all were answered to a prayer because literally in 2018, I was like, Lord, I just need you to send a group of like-minded, Christ-centered, kingdom-building women that I can connect with on a business side because I knew that I wanted to do something Yes, I remember like what I'm doing. Yes, I remember that conversation we had about that. Yeah, but not knowing how to start because while here in the Dirty South, in Mississippi, I have some amazing people who are doing amazing things. Just, I knew that my route would be one that would not be traditional. And I knew that I needed to step out of my comfort zone. So coming to DC did that for me. And I think for myself, what it did for me was it, first of all, y'all are like, Y'all hold so much dear place in my heart, especially when it comes to my baby. Like, I remember when we was all praying for me to be pregnant. Just like, you know what I'm saying? So I think about, like, that being a part of the process in which God does shift us with stuff. Because it challenges our perspective to know. Usually, like, when you're doing it by yourself, you don't think it's possible until you're, like, seeing people do it. And I think when we're, like, all surrounded by each other, we see each other doing it. So it's like, it doesn't seem that hard or it's not, not yeah. possible kind of thing. And so I yeah. think that that is a perspective shift, but ultimately when it comes to when God does position you in different areas, you have to just take the step and not question what he's doing because most of the time, whether or not he's saying, okay, you're going to be out there in the limelight. Many times he's just looking for us to obey. Yeah. And not be so wrapped up in what we think or assume to be. Yeah. And I think that for me was hard because, I mean, again, I'm a storyteller. I'm a writer. I'm a journalist. So I'm always asking questions. So anytime God tells me something, I'm like, why? Exactly. You know, I I got questions, Lord. (laughs) Like I'm going through who, what, when, where, why, how. And he's like, listen, girl. And you just say yes. And I'll be like, mm, okay, but however, wait. And he'd be like, oh, he's yes. very patient with me yes. <laughs> because I am delayed obedience. I tell my pastor this all the time. I live in delayed obedience and I'm really trying to shift out of that. But until you realize that delayed obedience is rebellion and then it gets you right on together and you, you do what you need to do. <laughs> so... Yeah, I think that that's just, I don't want to say, well, yeah, I can say that that's the nature of who I am. That's the sin in me even, is that I will ask you questions. I will question you until you give me the blueprint or at least a piece of it where I'm comfortable. And now he's like, no, you just either you're going to do it or you're not. But do you trust me or you don't? I'm, I'm in that season of saying, I trust you. Let's go. Yes. So, but it took a minute. That's a perfect segue into like what we're going to talk about today. So this was a conversation I think we kind of had over our group text message and you had said like at the top of October, God had kind of showed you, you were in a season of rest and he put me in a season of rest back in. So y'all, if this is 2021, you listen, this we're in 2020. He put me back in the season of rest in September. And I remember being so mad all September. I was so angry with him about it because I was like, this is not what we talked about. You and I didn't talk about this. You didn't, it's like, you and I talk about a lot of stuff, but you didn't tell me this, Lord. So I remember the 1st of September, I was so tired, like physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally tired. I had been doing a lot in my business and running like he had told me earlier that year like you need to run and run with urgency and so I took that literally like oh we're gonna finish off the year strong I'm gonna you know making this coin you and not gonna be on 10 like we finna go and so when he was like in August in September you don't need to do anything 
I was like, oh, that's not a problem, Lord. You know, I'll work on some stuff on the side. And first of September here, I was exhausted. And I was kind of like, oh, you know, this is like maybe just some regular exhaustion. And all September, I remember thinking, this is a shift. Like, this is a seasonal shift. Something has happened. And all September, I was angry at him. <laughs> I was like, Lord, I don't want to talk to you. I'm so upset. Why would you sit me down? You know, I got this baby. You know, I want to do this, 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 this. And then it wasn't until September 30th, literally the last day of September, I remember going into my closet and I boohooed and cried. And I said, God, I feel like you didn't honor what I wanted. And I remember soliciting a couple of friends for prayer. And I never really asked, like, you know, G, like, I don't really just be asking for prayer like that. I just, I kind of keep it to myself until it's real bad. And so I need to stop though. (laughs) And I remember he met me in my closet and I cried and I just said, God, I'm sorry. I have been resistant to you and I have been trying to do it my way. I've been angry about this, 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 you know, listening out all my reasons. And really, I had a lot of concerns that were underlining that I didn't know. And I walked out of September into October and he was like, you do realize you're carrying a child, right? Right. (laughs) Okay. Like You do realize you're pregnant (laughs) and you cannot do the same. Like I heard the word new wineskins and you cannot do the same thing you used to do in one season in this new season with this baby. Yeah, And that was a grieving because I felt like I'm so used to doing that I don't know how to be. I don't know how to Mm. rest. I don't know how to. And I'm like, okay, well, what does rest in the father mean? And what I realized over this last month is resting is a trust walk. It is. Because it's not just like, oh, you're stopping. Like, like, I'm not stopping my business. I still do my podcast. I still do stuff. But resting in all areas of, I had to trust the father with providing for my kid. First of all, daycare is disrespectfully high. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like over in my mind, like, well, what are we going to do about daycare? You know, me and Nico having a conversation. Meanwhile, he's just chill. And I'm like, babe, do you not know how much this costs? And it's like, it's okay. And so I go back and forth in my head. And then God reminds me, you need to rest in me. I will take care of this. I'm your dad. And so in wrapping that up, which I know we'll go into saying, I really have come to understand what being versus doing means and being in rest is so challenging because it's so, we get so religious. You know what I'm saying? We get yeah. so like, oh, I got this guy. You know, I immediately, when I walked out of that daycare and I was like, oh, it costs $190 a week. Okay, girl how many webinars I need to sell to cover this. You know what I'm saying? Like immediately into business mode and it caused me stress. And so for you, talk about for you, your season of like being versus doing and what that looks like. Cause that's what it looked like for me. And it's been really hard. Wow. As you know, I, when the pandemic started, you know, with March, we were just going into spring break. We came out of spring break. We did not go back into the building, but I still was teaching online to the kids, my students who would show up. And then we went into summer school season. And again, I'm in grad school. And again, I have two girls who were also doing virtual learning. And then there was church stuff locally, worked in the church. And it was just like, I was on go. I was probably on 110 and you and another friend was like, okay, when are you going to take a break? When are you going to rest? When are you going to sit down? You need a no, break. You no, know, I was like that. I was like, man, <laughs> when are you going to sit? And I didn't. I kept pushing and like I had what I think like two weeks where I wasn't teaching before we went back for the regular school year, but I was still in grad school. And at that time we were gearing up in my church denomination for conferences. So I was training people on Zoom who had never been on Zoom before how to use it. So I had taken on all these other responsibilities and was just like, go, go, go. And for me, I recognized that although my heart was in it, because I am a person who I want to be helpful. I want to see people do well. I wanted to see my students do well in the midst of 
this pandemic and the learning. I wanted to see my church members in two states do well as far as the conferencing and help them to kind of pivot into this transition of us all not being able to go into the physical buildings. I just wanted everything to do well. And I did want to glorify God. It wasn't just about... Well, that's good. Yeah, being busy. I literally felt like you equipped me to be able to do these things. I'm good at doing these things. I love doing these things because most of it revolved around me teaching. So why wouldn't I do this? And then also because I think it's a societal norm for us, specifically as Black women, to be always go, 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 do, do, do. So part of the mindset is if I sit down and rest, that means something is not getting done. And having that mindset that, you know, I can't be still. I have to do this. I have these goals. I wanted to. And even though it wasn't about the money, like because working in summer school allowed me to make a little extra money. I Glory to God, tithing works because I was not in a season of need. So it wasn't even about me needing to work because I needed this money. It was about me wanting to do it and being able to put the money aside and say, okay, this is a little cushion for whatever. Because again, we're in a pandemic. Who knows what's going to happen? But it got to a point where I was burned out physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually at times because, you know, even in the midst of starting this year, so much has happened. And I've been like heavy in intercessing. So then that was a constant thing of constantly having to cover people in prayer. And um, my pastor calls me Pastor G. And I'm like, I don't want that job because <laughs> my mom's a pastor and I see the covering of And I was like, girl, oh, no, no, man, we good. But just being obedient to God and covering people in prayer. And so it was just always this constant doing and the being was minimal. Because even though I felt like I was doing these things to glorify God, there also comes glory in resting in him. There's glory in trusting that he's going to take care of whatever ball that is dropped. And I know we want to do things in excellence. I know we want to do things well. But then sometimes that doing in excellence and doing well cuts him out and he's no longer the one who's strengthening us to do it. And that's when you find yourself getting tired and burned out and frustrated and angry because you're no longer doing it with his strength. You're doing it in your own strength. And so I think for me, by the time I had gone through September and I went through a fast and I was like seeking God, like, okay, what's the next? What do you want me to do next? And he was like, I want you to sit down. <laughs> and I was like, wait, no, I'm not giving up all this wonderful deliciousness that I like to eat to like for you to tell me at the end of this that you want me to sit down. Like, what are you talking about? Just like, that. no. I, I ain't put my plate down for you to tell me to sit down. Yeah. Like, you could have yeah. talked to me before this happened. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I turned over my plate because I was coming up in this thing for some strategy for a plan. I wanted you to say, bam, 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 10 steps to whatever. And he was like, no, I want you to rest and I want you to sit down. And he kept bringing Psalms 46 and 10 to me, be still and know that I'm God. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? I was like, you know, you've heard it a million times. And so I started looking up what still meant. And he was like, I want you to shut up. I want you to be quiet. I want you, and not just physically close your mouth because I'm good with that. It's, you know, I can get someone in a corner and not say anything. Meanwhile, I want you to mentally, (laughs) right. (laughs) I want you to mentally shut your mind down and stop thinking about the what ifs and the different scenarios that this, oh, well, if this happens, then that means that this is going to happen. Oh, and you said this is going to happen. So that means, you know, and doing all these, this mapping and segueing. And he was like, I want you to trust that I'm going to take care of everything that I told you was going to happen for you. And I was like, nah, son. <laughs> you know, like straight up, nah, son, God, like, nah, no. I, what I want, I need you to give me some strategy. I need you to give me some 
directions. I need you to put on paper. Girl, the fun stuff. That sounds fun. Go on, give me the yeah. Credit. Yeah, like I need you to give me a map. I need you already know map. I'm gonna give you the credit for it. So let's just do it, guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like really trying to convince the sovereign Lord of all that your plan is better than his. Like, no, see what we're gonna do. When I think about it, I think that's my problem in a lot of my major relationships is that I want to be the boss. I want to be like, hey, no, see, you're doing that wrong. What we need to do is, and God was like, yeah, I'm going to break you up out of that, ma'am. We're going to stop that now because what I have for you in the next season is going to require you to submit to other people other than yourself because he's like, you're so used to being submitted and delegating and coming up. And I am, I mean, I'm a hype man. I am. And I'm used to having a plan for everybody. Oh, you want to do this? Here you go. Here go your plan, 10 steps, whatever. And even in the podcast, I'm like, but God, that's kind of what the podcast is about. So what you doing? He's like, nah. He's like, see, there you go again. Stop. And so I had to get to a point where I'm truly recognizing that I'm not in control. And that even when I'm not in control and I don't have the plan, that the one who controls all things and sees all things and knows all things um, and believes in who I am and knows who he created me to be has my back. And if he got me, it doesn't matter anything else that is happening in this world, good, bad, or indifferent, president, no president, crazy president. Wow, president, whatever, mask, no mask, and I'm masked up, y'all, please believe. But whatever, when I'm surrounded by people who are not masked up, that he has me covered and he has a plan. And I think, number one, for a lot of us as women specifically, because we're planners, because we are nurturers, because we like to plant seeds and watch them grow, or we like to carry seeds and watch them grow. And we're so used to like watching things grow and build. And so not to be a part of the building process of some of the things that he wants to do for me, when he's literally telling me Proverbs 24, three and four, through wisdom, a house is built by understanding it's established and by knowledge, you feel the rooms. And he's like, your role is to be knowledgeable and feel the rooms. And I'm like, I want to build. I want to establish. I need to be wisdom and understanding. He was like, no, your role is to fill rooms and just be knowledgeable because sometimes I'm just going to send people to you for the knowledge. And it's wisdom in having the knowledge. But you can't be the one to hand them the whole architectural plan. You got to let some people build. And and to to add to that, G, because you said a couple of things. In this whole scenario, one of the things you said, and I think it's subconscious, is we do out of, I want to please God. Yeah. And so we associate the doing as, God, you know, this is all for you, so I must do it. And what that does over time, and you know, you and I have had this conversation, is Subconsciously, we desire, and there's nothing wrong with doing it out of wanting to please God, but you have to be very mindful of the fact that God honored rest. Like it was a part of something he did. And it was like, I don't do anything. And I often wonder like why you rested and like why that point's so big to who we are. But really it's like a matter of boundaries of things you got to put into place. And I think, again, we get into the mindset, oh, I want to honor God, but then it can shift very subtly to pride and you doing it for yourself and you doing it out of it feels good because you're getting affirmation from people and all this kind of stuff. But eventually over time, you're like, I don't want to talk to you folks. I don't want to see y'all. I ain't going to look at y'all. And then I wonder, like, when did it get to that place? When did it get to a point of resentment to the plan or resentment to the purpose and all that kind of stuff? And so it goes back to one thing God reminded me was, I fill you up. People don't fill you up. Day affirmation doesn't fill you up. That's cool. That's nice. But I fill you up. And when I realized that piece, it made me realize that 
I only serve an audience of one. That lets me let go of all the people pleasing. It lets me go of the obligation to feel like I got to respond to everything. It lets me like not answer my phone. It lets me know like I don't have to plan if I don't want to. I can take a nap if I feel like it. But also too, coming to God as a daughter instead of a worker, because I think we get into worker B mindset of I want you to be so glorified that I will do anything, go to the ends of the earth for you. But then I also come to the place of where I realize that God still realizes we're human. And that's why when he told me, you do realize you're pregnant. And there was one morning, I remember this was just recent. I got up early, you know, like I'm an early bird. Girl, I was like, oh, I'm gonna get up at like five o'clock. I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna read my Bible and I'm gonna do all this. And got upset at my desk, girl. I wanted to cry, I was so tired. And he was like, go lay down in the bed. I turned on some worship music, started to cry and worship. And girl, fell asleep. And woke up and was like, why did you let me fall asleep? And he's like, you cannot do the things you used to do. You're carrying a kid. And I even think now it's more of just the means of get out of your routine and be okay with being in my presence. And that may not look the same every day. You may not do the same thing. And so when it comes to like, you know, trying to honor the place of not doing for you, what does that mean to you? But for me, I'm more at peace. I know I I talked to y'all, the group about, I was up in arms about my registry. And this is a testimony. I was up in arms about my registry and I was like, God, Miko and I can't buy all this stuff. There's no way we can buy this stuff, God. Like we can, like, and my husband, he is a person that has a lot of faith. He does not worry about anything. And he don't ever worry about God ever taking care of us. He's like, babe, nobody buy nothing. We're just going to figure it out. And I'm looking at him like, sir, I don't need you to, um, don't bring that over here. Don't bring that energy up into this house. We're going to keep the same energy together. Okay. So out of the woodwork, sis, people just bought People just bought to the point, my baby showers this weekend, I think I have three things left on their registry. Put like a hundred, almost a hundred things on there. And so I often like cry because I'm like evidence. This is evidence. This is physical evidence of faith. Tangible. Of resting. And like, at one point I said, God, I'm going to let this go because this is your work. I can't make people do nothing. I mean, I can ask, but truly I don't have any authority over anybody pocketbook one. And two, I don't want to get manipulative. I don't want to get prideful. I don't want to get to the point to where I'm begging things like that. I want to rest in you and genuinely ask out of, hey, if you feel led to, please buy. But I don't want it to be a manipulative factor. And when I let it go, he opened the floodgates or I was like, people I just didn't even know. I'm like, where is this coming from? And he is just reminding me, I gave you a promise. Do you not think that I would not take care of my promise to you? Do you not think that your doing has anything to do with what I'm doing? And it's allowed me to rest in not worrying about my child. But those are hard things because, again, we get back into the mindset of being a worker instead of a daughter. And so for you, like, what does that mean for you to like really rest? It's trust. Honestly, it's trusting that if you gave me the promise, you're going to sustain it. You're going to take care of it, whatever that is. For me, that's even in the shifting from my old career to teaching now. Sometimes I get so bent out of shape with lesson plans and You know, am I reaching my students? Are they learning anything, especially virtually because they're not in the building? So you can't like gauge body language and facial expressions. And even with the assignments that they're doing, you know, you're not able to like stand and watch the light bulbs go off and things. And even with my daughters, because those girls were a promise constantly having to remind myself that you gave me those babies. So you're going to lead me and guide me into how I need to care for them with the autism. And even now with the battle of virtual learning, because unlike their mother, they are social butterflies. They are extroverts. They love people. They love to be socially engaged. 
and talking with their friends and being around people. So this has been a shift for them because they're having to be locked into an iPad all day trying to learn. And it's been struggling because you have, for them being usually two, three steps ahead of everyone and now watching them struggle with it and know that's because of the lack of social engagement. So for it has, and then personally just waiting for him to come through on some things. And in the process for me, the being has come in, you don't have to do anything. And I think for, for me specifically, that's kind of hard because I'm a doer. I'm used to being like, go, 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 do, 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 show up. And I think part of that is just in how I was raised. I watch my mom right now and she's always doing, doing, going, going, being. Even in the midst of this pandemic and working full time, even though she can retire now and being a pastor full time and watching her still have to care for a flock in the midst of this pandemic. And I'll call my mom on a Saturday morning and she's like, oh, I'm headed to such and such to go check on so-and-so. And I'd be like, girl, sit down. No, because I just need to make sure this is done. But I get that from her. And then also, I'm in a space where God wants me to get back to taking care of me because I'm also one of those people who wants to look out for it everybody else and make sure everyone else is good and putting myself last on that list and he's like no you need are you did you get enough sleep you know are you eating did you drink some water today have you had some water like did you and taking care of my home did you make your bed did you is the house clean because for me that's one of your things clutter Listen, clutter for me lets me know that my mind is cluttered. So when my house is together and everything kind of has a place for it, I know that my mind is not cluttered and my I'm clear and I can kind of, now I can hear him and the vision and the things that he wants me to do. And I can't say that it's always easy because there's some days where I want to get up and take off running again. And I want to make sure that this is good and that is good. And then it's some. But what I realize is that when I don't stop to rest and trust that he has that situation under control, I get burned out because I'm trying to be him. And it is hard to be a daughter because I think for me, me and God's relationship has always been like a best friend relationship. And, you know, when you're friends with someone, you're used to kind of like I pour, you pour, you pour, I pour and iron sharpening iron. And him saying, no, we're not in that season right now. I need you to allow me to pour into you because you've poured out a lot. And if you don't come back and let me pour, you're going to be empty and you're going to be tired and you're going to be snappy. And them twins, listen, they will get me together. Why are you so rude right now? Oh, my God, mommy, calm down. What are you doing? I love G's parenting but style because, baby, she be so so straight model tall baby she'll look at them and be like what do you need no go put that away no go do that and I'd be like girl my voice would have been like hey sit down go somewhere and then I've seen you when you get turned up and you be like stop and they just like <laughs> oh my god she's losing it her voice went up an octave what is going on and they bounce off each other so they'll kind of look and be like Okay, sis, what do we need to you do? Because you be so, I mean, mommy so is yelling. <laughs> I mean, straight, just same voice. And I'll be like, gee, how? She's like, because I can't. If I do it, they'll get turned up. Mm-mm. Yeah, and, and part of it is because, and I tell my students that, because they always, like, you don't ever be yelling, you don't do this. And I'm like, it physically hurts my body to raise my voice and get loud with y'all. Because I feel like it's so futile. It only upsets me because then y'all look crazy yeah, for a minute. Exactly. Like, oh, she yelling, let me sit down. And then five minutes later, y'all back on whatever you want. Yeah. Same thing with the twins. If I like draw them in and be like, all right, no, you can't do that. It's kind of like they have a moment to think about what they're doing. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I can't. But if I'm like, hey, 
damn, stop. Then no, they looked at me like, let us pray. Oh. Yeah. And then five minutes later, like, oh, she's not yelling. Let's go and play in the salt and do a science experiment while she's not looking. And all the shenanigans that we have going on here. So I think for me, being is learning how to just be who he made, be who he created me to be and know that it's not performance based. And I think even that is hard because we live in a performance based world where there's always this checklist. Like even as a teacher, I'm so frustrated in the profession because it's so performance based. And but that's the world we live in. Always Romans 12 and 2 tells us that. Yeah. Yeah. It tells us do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So even in that resting, I'm renewing my mind to know that I don't serve a performance based God. He's a God of grace and mercy, regardless of what I do, regardless of what I say. His love for me is unconditional. I can't perform my way into his heart. And I think as humans, we do that because we're even even our love languages come from some type of performance. So we're taught to love through performance. Mm. Even active service is a performance. Quality time requires performance, even if it's just showing up. So we are. And I think that's just human nature that we think that if I do then I'm being received as love. And God is simply saying, no, if you be. Girl. Be with me. And being is trust. Like that was something I reflected on yesterday because I feel like I'm coming into a place where I'm I'm really resting because I realize my limitation is so, like I don't have, I don't have control over five months from now. And so in my thought process, one of the things I have been realizing is rest is really like not worrying about nothing. And I have been overwhelmed by God's provision to the point to where I just randomly cry because I'm just like, how? Like, I know people say you a good dad. I know people talk about it. I know I talk about it. But like being presently present in the fact that you're really, really good and you take care of me. It's so overwhelming. It's almost like I can't even process it because I think, what did I do to do this? And truly, it's like, I didn't do anything, Anything. nothing. And so the performance-based mindset, that's something I really worked through in counseling. But as I still continue to do it, it's really like understanding, I just need to trust you. And that trust factor is really challenging because it does not look like what I think. But then the richness of trust is that I walk out of many seasons with such a testimony and faith in you that I really don't have to think about it at all. And it's so challenging because where it comes from is, like you said, the performance-based world. That's the way we live in. We look at numbers. We look at interactions. We look at all this kind of stuff. And people probably could look at me and think, oh, this, she's this perfect. Like, girl, no, not even. Yeah. And I think that. It's hard to even say that as someone who may have influence, but also saying that in a way of like, what I do, I could not have done. There's no way that I added to what was done. It was simply God. And I think that when you rest in just being okay with, I trust you no matter what, he then is allowed to be able to be glorified, but it's still challenging. It's still hard to trust God still, but not hard in the sense of it just requires a different layer of me not doing. Yeah. Because I think we don't, it's being a vessel. And I think that we're so used to doing things that we don't recognize that he's simply using us. Like when I start the podcast, I told myself, I'm not going to check analytics. I'm not going to do all these things. Number one, I don't do numbers. I'm a liberal arts writing person. So that's not going to be my focus. And then number two, recognizing that I don't know who or what God is doing. I don't even, I can't even phantom the purpose 
of why he wants me to do this. I can come up with ideas in my mind. Oh, I'm doing this because he wants me to do this and this and this. And throughout the episodes, people will probably hear that. But then somewhere in the background, again, because he's the true producer, there's some work that's being done, that's being made, that's happening that I don't have any idea about. That I don't have any idea about. I don't know, you know, he could have me producing this show so that Angela in Cincinnati can get a word. And I don't know anyone in Cincinnati. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what the underlying reason is for why he puts any of us where he puts us or why we do any of the things that we do. But I just have to trust that you told me to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it your way. But I'm also going to stand firm on being a vessel and not having to be, um, quote unquote, in control of how things are going or what's happening, but know that um, even as we're talking now and I'm hearing things that the Holy Spirit is pushing out of my mouth, he's teaching me some stuff and I'm like, oh, Lord, help me to remember when I get out of here because you just spoke something to my spirit. But knowing that in our, if we just simply say, when he says go, we go and we don't have our own ideas of why we're going or even if we have our own ideas of why we're going or why we're doing, know that we're also being a vessel that he's using us. We're his hands and his feet in the earth. And so I remind myself daily as I go to my job, as I go to teach, that I'm here for a purpose beyond what maybe my principal thinks I'm here for. Like, yes, I'm here to teach ELA. I want these kids to know how to read and write. But I have no idea when they walk out of this classroom, what else they heard come from me or what else they picked up that had nothing to do with what we were discussing. But somehow they interpreted or got something else from it because that's how God works. We think that he's, you know, oh, he gave me this platform to do X, Y, Z. And I'm going to do this and this. And he's like, you know, every week you might listen and be like, oh, you had one listener. But that one listener has to impact 10 people around them or 20 people or whatever. Or maybe in that moment, God used your voice to speak to their heart about a situation. We don't know. And I think that's how he ultimately gets the glory from us. Yes, girl. Because we don't have any idea what he's actually doing. You know, we tell Tatum all the time from Blessed About Stuff podcast, we tell her all the time, thank you for your yes. But she had no idea the impact of that yes and how it would bring together a group of women who are now bonded as iron sharpeners and as sisters. And now we're out here doing kingdom work and building the kingdom with all our various gifts. So, you know. I think about that all the time because I've told Tatum too, like, thank you, sis. Can I give you a round of applause? She'd be like, stop. Like this. But you don't know. And it's not up to anyone else to know, but the Lord, because he ultimately knows overall how much something impacts us. And so just like in wrapping up to say, like rest to me has a direct, and like one of the things you said was if we just go when he says go, we don't realize, or like I'll give an example of this in a rest season. In September, I was going to launch this whole group program, girl, like all these things. And so when he told me to sit down, I was like, sir, my coin, okay, like. Hold on, what you talking about? And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be obedient because I would rather be obedient. And so when I hit September 1st and I was tired, I looked up and I said, Lord, if I had taken on seven people to coach, I would have been exhausted, more exhausted than what I would already have. And so in being obedient to even say, sit down, I'm taking care of my body. I'm being more mindful of the fact that I'm pregnant because you know me, you know, G, I'd be all over the place. Yeah. I'd be ready to, you know, I'm prepared, Patty. Yeah. I like have to have stuff in order. I like to get my to-do list done. Rest has a direct impact on our obedience. 
trust has a direct impact on our obedience. And so because of that, when we obey, you really do get to see the fruits of what God's glory really is from just simply saying yes and being obedient. Yeah. And I think what we fail to realize, like we talk about it, we say, you know, it's in the Ten Commandments, under the Sabbath and keep it holy. Like he set an example for us, someone who created the universe and all these things in six days said, all right, now I'm going to go sit down. I'm going to go be still. I'm going to go, you know, I'm about to just take a minute to decompress. And I think we have to walk in that example that if someone who did such awesome and amazing things when he created all that we see, because even the things that we think are man-made, he did it. Again, we're vessels being. If he said, all right, I'm going to head out and I'm going to go and just kind of take. And I think rest also is just taking account of what's been done. Yeah. And not what we've done, but what he's done for you throughout the week. What did he do for you this week? If it was just get you up and get you to work and back on time without any accidents or any mishaps, if it was just that he kept you in your, as the old folks say, closing your right mind, where you are able from Sunday to Sunday to be able to think straight and know that, okay, I'm not losing my mind today. I may be a little frustrated, but I'm not losing my mind. That's enough. And I think that also in this season for me, he's teaching me that everything that is done with him in mind glorifies him. If I drink a cup of water, if I have eight glasses, that's glorifying him because they're saying, Lord, I want to take care of this vessel you gave me. If I say a kind word to one of my students who I may or may not know may be going through something, that's glorifying him. If I keep my house clean, that's glorifying him. If I make sure that my kids are fed and are well physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and that means for me telling them on a Thursday, you don't have to attend class today. That's glorifying him because I'm teaching them that performance is not what we're doing here. We are literally human beings. We're not doing. So today you're not doing anything. Today you're going to be still and enjoy yourself. If we love on our spouses or significant others or friends or family, that's glorifying him. Going to the grocery store and not letting your folks be in your house on some dirt with the food is. That's glorifying him because that's saying, Lord, I care about these people that you bless me with in my life that I'm going to make sure that they eat. That's glorious. So getting to a point, and I think especially when we talk about religion and relationship with him, we're so caught up in thinking that if I show up on Sunday, this is glorifying him. But sometimes not showing up on Sunday is glorifying him. Not going to every meeting or whatever, not showing up for every event. Sometimes that's glorifying him because sometimes they're saying to him, I just need me and you. Let's have this moment. It's just me and the father having a conversation. So I think we just have to, for me at least, I'm in that season of learning what brings him glory for me in this season. And what I thought was performance and doing, yes, sure, he got glory out of that. But now he wants to get glory out of me just saying, hands off. I'm not touching it. So You got this. I trust you. Even when I can't see it, even when it's not tangible, even when it hasn't made itself known or manifested, you got this. I'm going to take my hands off of it. And when you ready, you know, just tell me on the show and say, all right, girl, here you go. And I'm like, cool. And that's hard for us because we're so used to like going and getting it and making sure things are done. And so to be in that season of being where we're just sitting at his feet and not saying, okay, but in the meantime, because, you know, I have a little cheat sheet over here. He'll be like, sit down. And I'd be like, okay. Like, he can't see me write notes and strategy. And he'd be like, girl, put that pen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, 
I'm there and I'm thankful for being there because it lifts a weight off of my shoulders. And you are and I realize so I don't have to show up. And you're so much more aware of the blessings. I mean, you get to really things that were just like, you like, oh, thank you, God. You walk past and I really think about it. you're so much more present with when he's blessing that you're like, wow. This is, yeah. this is good. And it also allows you to see things that are coming that you probably wouldn't have even paid attention Never thought to. of, sis. Never thought of. So, all right. Well, thank you, G. This has been such a good conversation. Oh, thank you. Um, so why don't you tell the people where they can find you at? I'm mostly on Instagram. So at G Spencer. The podcast has its own separate page and it's at Pivot and Shift. You can find me at gspencer.com. Don't do too much clicking. By the time this drops, you can click away. It'll be all together because I'm in the middle of building that out. And the pivot, you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. And hear what you're hearing now is probably what you're going to hear a lot of on my podcast. Just a bunch of authentic, real conversations with some real people who are out here trying to shift and make changes just like we all are, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like in whatever capacity and doing it with God. I don't ever want anyone to think that we're just, well, we're not out here doing you anything do on our way. own. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Even if you don't, yeah. If you don't, even sometimes if you don't recognize, please know that no moves are being made without him. So that's what the pivot is. It's just, because he's not an ever-changing guy, but he's always changing us. So we're always pivoting. We're always mm-hmm. shifting. We are always being renewed in so many different capacities. So, well, thank you, sis. I love you. Thank you. Um, I, I love you all more. of G's information below in the show notes for y'all. And I love you. And I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>